0: morning. I don't know about you, but I've been thoroughly enjoying the beautiful weather that we've had the last couple of uh, days. Uh, As of yesterday, uh, so Saturday, Friday, and Thursday, uh, we hit up three different parks with the kids just so that they can go, have some fun, and uh, just enjoy outside uh, as we haven't been able to really because of either rain or I get excited about good weather and then God's like, haha, not yet, snow. Um, So... Praise God, good weather is here, however, I've been brought back down, you know, to the realities of weather uh, in central New York that I've been told, you know, in years past it snowed on Mother's Day and I'm like, my gosh, I do not receive that, in fact, I rebuke that, Uh, (laughs) but uh, I was grateful to be able to get outside with the kids and the family and just have a good time, amen, Uh, so uh, yeah, Pastor Doug is uh, away for a little bit, spending some time with family and so just keep them in prayer. Uh, that they would just truly be able to rest uh, in this time. Um, but, as you can tell by the slide up here, the title of today's message is "Now, what?" Or you could flip those words and it'll be the same exact thing. What now? Uh, how many of you have ever said that phrase before? I mean, come on we we've all have we've all have been there. We've all have said that probably at one point in our lives. I mean, Come on, how many of you after finishing a great show on Netflix, you know, you're just like, man, what now? What do I watch now? And you enter that post-show blues and you gotta figure something else out and you know, we, we, just, we just say that. Or when uh, plans get canceled for whatever reason, or uh, how about somewhere that you were planning on going, when you get there, you find out that it's closed. Ah, oh, that is the worst. I am notoriously awful at remembering the fact that OIP is closed on Sundays. Uh, Because there are many times after church where I'm like, man, just a good cheese pizza and 20 wings sounds so good right now. And I, you know, I check on the GPS just to make sure, you know, if I could call it ahead. Oh, no, they're closed. Or, you know, sometimes I don't call and I'll go there and I'm like, oh, they're closed. I forgot. Uh, I am notoriously uh, bad at forgetting that specific one right there. I've done that about like three or four times and it's just awful coming to that realization that I cannot have what I have been craving. Um, Or how about going on a really, really great trip, whatever the trip may be, and then you come home back to the realities of your normal life, and you have to just get back into the swing of things, and you're like, man, what now? What now uh, moments, I believe, also happen at very important uh, points in our lives, very important seasons of our lives, where there's great potential for growth, There's great potential for the Lord to do something huge in our lives. Uh, when I was 15 years old, I had the opportunity to go on my first missions trip uh, to the Dominican Republic. And on this trip, I, or, or really after this trip, I had a what now moment or a now what moment. Uh, I, I went on this trip uh, where through a one week experience, my worldview was completely shattered, like absolutely shattered as a 15-year-old. You know, because when you're a teenager, you think, you know, there's a lot of things that revolve around me, my schedule, you know, my life, what I choose to do, you know, it's all about me. And then you go on a trip like this where it's entirely not about you. In fact, the the, the entire purpose of that trip, the whole reason that you're there is not about you but about what God can do through you, how you can serve someone else. And I came back from this trip, and I just, I had a hard time processing this trip. I had a hard time processing the experiences that I just had, and again, through a one-week experience, my worldview was shattered. Uh, I, little did I know what God was doing in my heart in that season. Little did I know what God was doing in my life uh, in that season, uh, the first time I ever did what I'm doing right now, standing before a church and uh, just just preaching or, or just doing anything in front of a church congregation, was actually right before this trip. Uh, again, I was 15 years old. My youth pastor told me the day before the trip, "Hey." This coming Sunday, I need you to come a, a little more dressed up for church. I need you to be a little more, you know, uh, presentable for the platform. Because I was totally that kid who came in basketball shorts and a T-shirt or something like that. You know, I, I really didn't care. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll come to church. And so he told me that I was going to do my object lesson in front of the church uh, that I did when I was in the Dominican Republic. And so I did it. And. Uh, I was great, I was, you know, it was exciting you know, to, to be in front of the church and all that, like, at least the thought of it was great until the time came for me to actually do it. And as a 15 year old, first time standing in front of a group of people like that where literally all eyes were on me, oh my gosh. I was shaking so bad. Uh, I was shaking holding the microphone so bad to the point where my youth pastor who was standing next to me just grabbed the microphone and held it for me so that I could handle my object lesson stuff because I couldn't do it one handed. I was shaking and nervous so bad. Uh, My voice was doing that thing where your voice starts to get a little shaky, you know, and it sounds like you're gonna cry, but I wasn't gonna cry, I swear by that, still to this day, that was 13 years ago, I still swear by that, that I was not going to cry and I did not cry, uh, but I was just so nervous. And again, because of this trip, little did I know that 13 years later, here I am doing the very thing that terrified me and still makes me so nervous Every time, I have to do it, but now, today, I have the understanding that it's, it's, it's my uh, realization in these moments of how much I need God to do what he's called me to do, amen? And so little did I know what God was doing in a big what now moment of my life, processing this missions trip. And this is why I'm so passionate about missions. I'm so passionate about bringing young people overseas is because from a very young age, your worldview gets shattered and the world becomes a much bigger place one thing to watch the Discovery Channel, it's one thing to watch the National uh, Geographic Channel, but then it's one thing to experience it for yourself, and you will come back different like I came back different and asking some pretty hard questions that honestly uh, has has led me to where I am today. Um, And so today we're going to look at a what now moment or a now what moment uh, that happens in scripture and why this Now what moment is important for us to understand today in the 21st century? Uh, If you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading out of the book of Acts chapter 1. And in Acts 1 verses 4 through 8, Jesus is talking to his disciples uh, about the Holy Spirit who would be coming soon to baptize them, uh, but that they needed to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father to come to pass. And listen to the interaction between Jesus and the disciples in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. Beginning in verse 6, it says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the disciples, think of of it like this, the disciples still did not grasp the reality of the situation at this point. And you can tell this by the very question that they asked Jesus right here. Here's the situation so far. Jesus had already been betrayed. He had already been beaten. He carried the cross to Calvary. He had already been crucified and died and resurrected three days later. And then the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8, that he revealed himself to uh, Cephas and the disciples and over 500 other witnesses. And they see that it's really Jesus. It's really the resurrected Jesus He's already told them where he is going. They cannot go, but he is going to prepare a place for them or us, amen? How many of us are grateful for that today, that hope that we have in Jesus? He's been pretty clear with them that he would be going to the Father and how things would happen, but they were still waiting for Jesus to establish the kingdom here on earth. Uh, Many times in Israel's history, They wanted things done in the natural, kinda like other nations. In the Old Testament, we see this when uh, Israel would see that other nations had kings. They had a physical leader that they can look to and follow and hear from, uh, rather than a prophet who would hear from God and then you would hear from the prophet. And so Israel would say things, would just start grumbling and complaining. And they said they wanted a king, and so then they got a king. And now here they are still saying, Lord, will you not establish your kingdom? You know, isn't this what you're supposed to do as our Messiah? And so they recognized. That Jesus was indeed the Messiah, but still did not fully grasp what he was meant to do, what he had already done, or what would happen, uh, or what he would do, rather, on the day that, his, uh, that he returns in the Father's timing. Mind you, again, think of it like, uh, think of this, this period of time right here where the disciples still didn't, uh, at this point, they did not have the book of Revelation, the Holy Spirit didn't uh, come, come upon John at this point to give him that vision and with the instruction to write everything that he saw down. And so they're living in this point right here where Jesus is already resurrected. They still don't know Revelation. So they, they, they don't grasp what the end is going to fully be. And they're just living in this place of what now? Now what? What are we supposed to do? So they did not know the future or what the future would hold at the end of it all. And so Jesus gives them a response that I, he gives them the response that I just read. And look at what he says in the next verse, verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Imagine having a conversation with someone, asking a question, receiving an answer that, uh, that you were not looking for at all, and then boom, he's gone. You can't ask another question, that was it. I don't know about you, but I would be really confused at that, at, at that moment, but then I would also, uh, again, I'm, I'm not better than any of the disciples. I'm, I'm a very normal person. If I saw someone get taken to the clouds right before my eyes, what would I be doing? as long as I could, as long as my neck could hold this position. Maybe I would lay down and just keep looking up. I would be looking up. So again, Jesus gives them a response that they weren't really looking for, but it was the one that they needed to hear. God operates like that very often in our lives, where we're coming to the Lord in prayer and we're seeking for answers, and sometimes he gives us an answer that we're not really looking for, but then, you know, in in hindsight, you're able to look back and say, wow, God, that was really what I needed in that season and I didn't even know it at the time. And he's literally taken up into the clouds and that's the last time that Jesus physically walked this earth, but how many of us know it won't be the last? Amen? So what do the disciples do when they see this? Again, what happens next? Again, all of them are doing what any sensible person in this room would be doing. Looking up as long as he possibly can and Listen to what happens in verse 10 and 11. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. And so again, the disciples are looking up and then all of, I mean, it, it's amazing. They saw Jesus do miracles. They saw Jesus do so many things, but this was the first time they saw the man fly into the sky. Like, again, in the 21st century, we'd be like, oh, there was cables. Oh, you know, a jetpack or something, or some form of technology. There was none of that. And they see this happen, and they're questioning what they're, what they're looking at. They've never seen this before, and then all of a sudden, as Jesus is being taken into the sky, two men in white robes, we know what those men in white robes are, We know that those are two angels right there giving them the instructions of what are you guys looking at? Why are you looking into the heavens? The same way that he left is the same way that he's going to come. And again, me like any sensible, reasonable person would go from doing this to doing this. Those are angels right there. Like, whoa! And I'm not going to lie, I would probably be counted among the disciples who were looking up and totally forgot what Jesus said because, I mean, the man just flew into the clouds and got taken up. I've never seen that before. That is amazing. I would be absolutely speechless. Uh, speechless. They were caught looking into the heavens and the angel's words, words to them almost corrected that, that action by saying, why are you looking up? Don't you know? I mean, Jesus already said that he's gonna be going to the Father, but he also left with the promise that one day he would return. So why are you looking up? He is going to return. So the disciples at this point in time are probably saying, now what? You know, now what? The one in whom we thought would establish his kingdom here on earth, we asked him if that was who, that's what he was gonna do and he gave us an answer that kind of confused us a little bit. Now what? This is why Jesus' response to the disciples was so important for them and so important for us to understand today. Again, his response in verse seven and eight. He said to them, it is, not impor- uh, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. This is the important one, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth if you know your Bible a little bit, you know that Jesus is pointing them right back to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. If you don't know this uh, passage of scripture, I pray that you memorize this scripture, seal it in your hearts, uh, uh, memorize this, and just be encouraged by this scripture uh, throughout you know, your walk with the Lord. It, it's a very important scripture for us as followers of Jesus to fully grasp today. If we could put that on the screen, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20. And Jesus came uh, and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very ends of the age. This is the great commission right here. Jesus gave this commission to his disciples saying, your responsibility as followers of me is to go and make more disciples. And when they become disciples, guess what? That commission is now to them as well. You're a disciple now. Your responsibility is to go and make disciples and go and make disciples. And here we are in the 21st century still heeding to this commission and this command to go and make disciples disciples. The what now for the disciples at this point in time and for us today in the 21st century because I don't know about you, Jesus hasn't come back yet but I believe that he will, amen? The what now for us today and them then is heeding to Jesus' commission that they, we, will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit until the awaited day in which our Lord returns to take his church to be with him forever. The disciples were caught looking up for a bit instead of going back right back to Jerusalem right away to wait for the Holy Spirit and heed to Jesus' instructions. Though again, we today may not be physically looking up as if we just saw him ascend, because I mean, it'd be all over the news. We are often caught, and I've been, I've been guilty of this. I am the first to raise my hand saying that I'm guilty of this. We have often been caught seeing the condition of the world that we live in and saying things like, Lord, won't you come now? Lord, will you not rapture your church sooner than later? God, can't you just take us out of this? Church, the conviction that I have in my heart, not only as a minister of the word, but as a follower of the Lord, is to heed to his instructions as best as I possibly can and being a witness everywhere that I possibly can. When I hear the phrase, Lord, won't you come now? I I now have a conviction that he's placed in my heart to just think to myself, yes, praise the Lord that we're thinking about his return. Praise the Lord that we're living in expectation, but what are we doing in the now to live in obedience to his command, to go into Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth? What am I doing now in the now to witness, to tell somebody about how much he loves them, Uh, Heeding to his, his instructions and when that day comes, when Jesus takes his church to be with him forever and ever, what am I doing in the now to make sure that I bring as many people as I possibly can with me because Jesus loves them just as much as he loves me? We can't just have our gaze focused on the heavens waiting for that day. However, with our hearts, and this is something that I want you to grasp, with our hearts and minds focused on the heavens and the potential of that day and our happening at any moment, we must then focus our gaze right in front of us. We must focus our gaze on our Jerusalem, on our Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth to be obedient to Jesus' instruction, to be a witness everywhere that we possibly can. With our hearts and minds focused on Christ and his imminent return driving us, we go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything he's commanded us and know that he promised us that he would be with us always to the very ends of the age. Um, When I was living on Staten Island, uh, I, I went to, uh, I love going to the gym, I love exercising, and uh, there was a Planet Fitness close by where we lived, and so that's where I went, and it was only $10. Um, I'm, a, I'm a college student who graduated, had a lot of debt, and $10 for a whole gym membership, that's awesome. Uh, so $10, I could afford that. Um, and uh, when I'm at the gym, I'm one of those guys who I just like to kind of keep to myself, you know, I'll have my headphones in, not bother anybody, you know, uh, not be bothered by anybody kind of person. And uh, there was this one day, my routine is usually run, do some form of cardio, stretch, and then I, I, I will lift. And uh, there was this one day where uh, I, after stretching, I just was like, you know what, I need to sit down for a little bit. It was really hot that day and I just sat down at one of the tables that they had set up. And after I sat down, this, this man sits in front of me at the table and he just starts talking to me and so I just, uh, you know, I take off my headphones. I don't wanna be rude, I wanna, you know, interact with him. Maybe he's asking me something about the gym. Little did I know, the moment I took my headphones off, this man was going to just pour his whole life story out onto my lap. I was at the gym to exercise, y'all. I did not invite this man to conversation, but, but, I was ready. I was ready for a moment like this because it was so evident, you know, sometimes I need people to just be, you know, just blatant with me, just straight up with me. Um, you know, if you're married, men, you know, we need that. Uh, we can't read into things. And it was like God was just telling me, you say that you live for these moments. You say that you're always ready to be a witness. Here it is. Here it is. And so I just sat there. I listened to this man's story and about how he, he went to the church. He didn't know who I was. I didn't know. He I still don't know his name to this day. I wish I did. It would be a, great, a better story if I knew his name. But uh, I, was, I was hearing his story Uh, And then afterwards, I got to pray with him in the middle of Planet Fitness. You know, he didn't know that I was a pastor. He didn't know that uh, that I was a a Christian. You know, but I got to pray with him afterwards. And I'm not going to lie to you; just it, it was one of those moments where afterwards, I'm like, "Okay, God, if this is what, if this is how you want, if this is how ready you want me to be, that I could be at the gym, I could be at the grocery store, I could be at the mall, and you literally just bring an opportunity for me to be a witness and a light in someone's life." God, I want to be ready. Lord, I'm going to commit myself to be ready in those moments. And I got to pray with him. Uh, the first time I had ever experienced something like this was when I was in college. I was a freshman in college and there was a ministry called Street Team. Street Team, uh, they, on Fridays, I think it was at 6 p.m., from 6 to whenever, uh, groups of students would gather together and they would just walk the, the streets of where our school was with the intent of, God, if you bring someone our way and it's clearly a divine appointment that you have... We're open and we're willing. You know, we'll pray with them, we'll talk with them, we'll do whatever it is that you want us to do, to do and lead us to do, and so, first time I ever experienced something like this, I was walking with my group of three of my friends and, and we were just ready, open, you know, willing, we were praying a little bit, and uh, while we're walking, you know, this, this man starts walking our direction and is gonna cross our paths, and by the time he reaches, I mean, the pulpit, to me, distance, he's crying. Just tears rolling down his face. And it was one of those aha moments where like, we were like, okay, God. You know, it was the first time, it was really one of the first times in my life where I said, God, I want this to happen, uh, and I didn't really expect it to happen, but then it happened, and I was like, okay, God. you, You know what you're doing. I'm gonna take you at your word from now on. And I got to, again, Poured out his life before us, told us that he was an alcoholic and all this, and it's been ruining his marriage and uh, his relationship with his kids, and it was just one of those things that it just happened, and I was willing. You know, me and my friends, we were just willing to just, God, whatever you have, lead us, guide us, please be blatant with us, because sometimes, you know, I'm an airhead and I just miss things, and that's how God has just been operating, you know, blatant, here it is, I want you to pray with this person. And that's what we got to do and connect him with some people who would get him to where he needed to be to overcome his addiction with alcoholism. I want to revisit the disciples at the moment of Jesus' ascension, just for a minute. What I'm trying to communicate here is not at all that they were in the wrong for gazing into the heavens, because I mean, if that happened in front of me, I'm looking up. There's an element to this that we need to understand. That I believe will keep us from growing weary as time moves forward until the Lord returns or calls us home to be with Him forever. How many parents do we have in the room? Parents. If you're not a parent, you're an auntie or an uncle, or maybe you have maybe you uh, you have a younger person in your life. You know where, whether it's a kid of a friend or whatever it be that you know you get to interact with and you uh, you get to have an influence in their life a little bit. On July sixteenth, two thousand eight, uh, two thousand eight. 2018, my life changed forever when I gained the title of dad when my son Judah was born. Then, as many of you know, this past December, I think we have a picture. We can just keep it on the screen for a little bit. There we go. This past December, on the 11th, we welcomed our baby girl Juliet into the world. Uh, Juliet is almost four months old now, and she's really starting to smile, and she's really starting to recently find her voice. You know, We'll put her on her play mat, and she's just squealing away, and I discovered There's a difference in the tone that daughters can hit than (laughs) boys can hit. Whereas sometimes she squeals to points where I don't want to be next to her anymore because my ears hurt. My ears are ringing. But she's really uh, starting to find her voice. And it literally melts my heart as her father to know that all I have to do to get her to smile is just be with her. All I have to do to get her to smile is just make eye contact with her. And when we make eye contact, she just smiles right back at me. And it just makes me so happy. It's a feeling that, um, you know, I, when, when I was a teenager, I would hear adults say all the time, you know, when you become a parent, uh, your, your whole understanding of the Lord, you know, will, will grow in a way that you can only really experience when you become a parent. And I was, you know, all right, whatever, you know, I didn't really listen. And then it happened for me. And I get it, you know. I I truly—it's such a joy in my heart that I didn't really know I could experience until I had those little eyes looking back at me and just smiling, and all the innocence and purity, and wonder. And in those moments, I truly wonder what is going on in her mind. But she knows one thing: she knows that I'm her dad. She knows that I'm her father. For Judah, it's from the perspective of a toddler who thinks everything I do is still cool. I'm still cool to my son. He's only two and a half. I'm not lame yet. I'm not lame yet. He'll think other people are cool when he becomes a teenager, maybe. But the face that he makes whenever he sees me do something that he's never seen before uh, is just one of, that was amazing. Like, what you mean to tell me that you can shoot your socks into the laundry basket or whatever, you know, the lamest thing but he thinks it's the coolest thing ever and the expression that he gives is just one of pure wonder. As the worship team comes, I can only imagine what the disciples were experiencing at the very moment when Jesus ascended. Standing in awe of what they were seeing happen. Hearts beating out of their chests in excitement. Maybe they were a little nervous. Standing and watching and thinking on the wonder of God. Just think about it like this. The disciples had walked with Jesus through many things. They saw Jesus perform miracle after miracle. They saw Jesus, uh, you know, when they were in a boat. When they were in a boat with Jesus, Jesus was taking a nap. Can we praise God for a second? Naps are of the Lord, naps are of God. Take naps, it's biblical. Look it up. But while they were in a boat, there was a storm happening. They were in fear for their lives. They woke Jesus up and all it took for the storm to go away and the waves to come was Jesus to just speak. The authority of our God. All he had to do was speak. He is the one who tells the storms and the waves when to be calm. He is the one who spoke creation into existence When God said, let there be light, I believe light travels at 286,000 miles a second. So the moment God said that, boom, light begins traveling all over the created universe at that speed. The wonder of our God. I'm in no way saying that the disciples were in the wrong whatsoever for staring into the heavens, I am in no way saying that we are in the wrong for desiring for that day to come when Jesus returns for his church. What I am saying, and I said this before, this is what I want us to get right here. What I I am saying is, instead of our eyes fixed on the heavens, let's fix our hearts and our minds on the heavens and the Lord. And with our hearts and minds set on the things above, fix our gaze on what's before us. Get our hands ready to serve and prepare our feet to go wherever he leads us to go. I can't be of of much use to the Lord if I'm constantly looking up like this. Chances are I'm going to run into Kea, I'm going to run into the speaker or I'm going to fall off this platform and dislocate my ankle again. So what is before us? What is Your Jerusalem what is your Judea and Samaria I've heard it preached and said many times that when Jesus gave them the instructions to stay in Jerusalem until they received power from on high as soon as they received power from on high you will be the witnesses in Jerusalem where is Jerusalem right where they were they were waiting for the power on high they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit Pentecost happens and right from where they were they could be a witness Judea and Samaria were surrounding Jerusalem and so you go from where you are to now where where am I going the surrounding areas Jerusalem Judea and I'm able to continue to be a witness unto the outermost parts of the world and so church the question that we 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 ask or need to answer is what is before us what is our Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria we know what the ends of the earth stands for that's why we're so passionate uh, as a church about missions Because we believe that we are living in fulfillment of the Great Commission by going to all the world and making disciples, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Our Jerusalem as a church is right here where we are. This is our Jerusalem. Salve, Camillus. This is our Jerusalem, downtown Syracuse. This is our Jerusalem, the Liverpool area. You know, you start branching a little further, then it becomes Judea and Samaria. We need to keep reaching. We need to keep being a witness. We need to keep ministering. We need to keep readying our hands to do the work of God while we look at what we need to do with our hearts and minds fixed on the things above so that we can live in obedience to Jesus' instruction for us to be a witness everywhere that we go. And so my prayer for us today as a church is that we would be inspired by the wonder of our God to live in obedience and go. Like a child uh, that looks at their parent in awe, like my daughter looks at at me in awe and she just smiles and she's so joyful. May that be the drive that we need. In fact, I can guarantee you that is the only drive that we need to continue to live obediently, and, and serve faithfully and so for a moment before I continue I just want us to worship at, in, in the wonder of our God I'm sure that if we had an open mic up here and you had an opportunity to just share how God has shown up big in your life we would be here until after prayer tonight from 6 to 7 but what we can do right now is let's stand together and let's just Worship the Lord for a few moments. The Lord, He is alive. Hallelujah, Lord. The wonder of our God. When we look to the Lord and we're able to think on the things of the Lord, of what He's done in our lives for us to be right here where we are, of His revelation that we have in Scripture, of just all the wondrous things that He has done, and we've only scratched the surface in our understanding of who he is. Because we only know what's been revealed to us in scripture and I believe he's he's much grander. We can't understand perfection with our imperfect minds. The wonder of our God who created the heavens and the earth, who spoke things into motion. He's the one who tells the seasons when to change. He is the one who simply speaks and storms and waves are calmed whom raises the dead, whom heals the sick, uh, the, the sick. This is our God who created us in his likeness and his image. We're not even his biggest creation. Doesn't take much for you to realize that. Climb a mountain and look from the top. We're not his biggest creation. But we are the only things in all creation made in the image of our God, the wonder of our God.